Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. In case you didn't check it or catch it, I'm Southern. I know most of you thought I was from the Bronx. And I don't want to get over being a Southern gentleman. That's a tradition. I don't want to get over that. Matter of fact, my wife won't let me get over that. Amen. Now, ladies, you said, well, I wish my husband would be a southern gentleman. Help him. Help him. So, anyway. But some of the traditions that we have around here, you're going to hear Christmas carols like that from now until Christmas. Every service, we're going to throw a Christmas carol in because I just believe that those are good songs that we need to keep singing. And so we're going to be, and we're going to throw a couple of new ones in there and, and sing them. And then, you know, this, I don't know how many years we've been doing. Any idea, William, how long we've been doing the Christmas um, Eve service? I know it's been almost 15 years. We've done it, we've done it always since we've been here. We started over there. And it really started, let me, let me look into the camera. It really started because there was going to be a Christmas day on Sunday, and I was going to cancel service. And one woman said, Pastor, I can't believe that you're going to cancel service on Christmas. And I thought, well, that is kind of stupid. And so I had Christmas, and she was there, but I hadn't seen her in quite some time. In case you're watching, you know who you are. We're still having services in Christmas, and it's been years. So let me invite you to come. So, but you know, and I, when I thought about it, that was crazy for us to cancel service because it was Christmas. And then so we started that, and I'm going to tell you how it started. Because it's a tradition that I've lived in all of my life. Matter of fact, just to uh, 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 transparency, I probably will not be here on Christmas Eve. I'm not usually here because I go to Mobile to be with my, what I call my Mobile family, my, my siblings. You know, the youngest sibling now was 51 or 52. Yeah, 52, just turned 52. So we still get together every Christmas Eve. And all of our children, or as much as can, my, my oldest can't come. Now my wife doesn't go because my oldest can't come, so she waits for her. And we have Christmas Eve. And what my dad has done for as long as I can remember is he would set everybody down and he would read the Christmas story and remind all of us the reason why we celebrate Christmas. He always reminds us about the salvation from Jesus Christ. And I think that's a great tradition to have. And so I start, when I couldn't go home one Christmas, I started that at a Christmas Eve service and we continue, that's what we do. And then I threw in, it would be awesome to have communion. As, and a Pastor, how are we going to do this with this COVID stuff? You're going to get your communion when you walk through the door, I think is the, is the plan. If not, we'll change it, you know. You'll know that day, night when you get here. And so, you, but you can still come up and gather around the altar. We're going to try to, try to do the social distancing, have five stations come up. If you feel comfortable, 
the matriarch or patriarch of your family can lead your family in communion. If you don't feel comfortable, we'll have pastors and or elders that will help lead you. And uh, so we want you to come out. It's been a tradition. Now, last year, uh, you know, because of COVID, I don't think we'll do it. We'll have as many this year. But last year, we had over 400 people. But we usually have you in and out by an hour and a half at the latest. I mean, a communion, everything, out, out the door. So come out and be a part of that. Make some, make some memories with your family. Because can I tell you, when the family's gone, all you've got is those memories. So make sure that you do that. Amen? All right, go with me in, in your Bible. <clears throat> Thank you, musicians. Um, go with me in your Bible to the Gospel of St. Luke. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, verse 6. You know, I, I uh, not every year, but most years, we try to, at my home, I, I'm, I'm still working on it. Uh, I decorate the outside. My wife has seven Christmas trees inside the house. And it's beautiful, but... But I usually decorate the outside. And one of the things that I began a few years ago is... My wife bought a nativity scene, and we had that. Hey, how many have seen the nativity scene out front? Isn't that beautiful? Now, now I'm going to, you know, uh, my wife and Christy and my daughter traced that on some um, uh, uh, plywood, and then I cut it out and put it together. That lion spirit done got on me. Y'all know I didn't do that. If you want a straight line, that's what it would look like. No, of course, Rodney, the, the, our, our, great, our great maintenance guy, cut it out, put it together, painted it. Looks incredible. But I, I put, a, I put a, um, a, a manger scene in my yard usually. A couple of years ago, a couple of years ago there, was a, there was a couple other babies in there. It was your grandchildren. Uh, they, somebody sent me a picture, and they had come up in my yard and was up in the manger. Up in, the, up in the nativity scene, and that was kind of cool. But I want to talk to you today because I, I, I want to share a story with you, and then I'm going to preach on Luke chapter 2, verse 6. But uh, I want to share this story with you. There was a little mom that took a little boy to the mall to get his picture made with Santa. And as they were going to get their picture, and they were driving down the road, his mother stopped at the stop sign. And just across the, from the stop sign, there was a manger scene with Mary and Joseph, the three wise men. You know, and here's what gets me. You know, don't you just love religious people? I've had religious people tell me, well, you know, the wise men wasn't really at the stable. Yes, I'm aware of that, Mr. Theologian. It was two years later when they came. As a matter of fact, it was more than three, but let's just move on. So you don't send me no email. But, so he looked there, and the three wise men... And the animals, and there's a baby in the manger. And the little boy looks at his mother and asks, who's the baby? Who's the baby? So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Who's the baby? Who's the baby that's lying there in the manger? In Luke chapter 2, go there with me. If you're there, say amen. amen. Begin reading in verse number 6. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, while they were there. The days were completed for her, talking about Mary, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, in Luke chapter 1, the angel of the Lord told Mary to name him Jesus. 
In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. That is going to be the sign. So when we talk about who's the baby, I think this question is a question that society, and especially the U.S., is unequivocally asking who's the baby because most people don't know who the baby is anymore. You know, used to, if you went to church, your children went to what we would call Sunday school. We call it now family training hour. And you would hear the stories of the Bible. And if you didn't know the Bible, at least you would know the stories. Well, we've gotten away from that. Some people have. We still have it for those of you who who want to attend. But we see a snapshot that society has, that Christmas is about gifts, about bows and Trees and lights, and I love all those things. Elf on a shelf. Elf on a shelf to make your kids act right. Well, I got an elf right here on my shelf that'll make your kids act right. But let me move on. Didn't need no elf on no shelf. My dad took his elf off the shelf and made us act right. But let me move on. I don't want to get into that. But so often, that's what we think of when we, talk, when we think about Christmas. We've made the Christmas season about trees and about gifts. And, you know, we went to a place yesterday and we made some family portraits and things like that. And I was looking at these Christmas trees. One, this huge Christmas tree they had standing up. And, and, and it was huge, man. And my wife said, guess how much that tree is? I said, $800. She said, 1000 It was a big old tree. And then she showed me some trees that was laying down. She had, she had done went and investigated. She was just curious. Curious minds want to know. The trees laying down, their trunk was about this big around. It was $1,400 for those trees. I went, my Lord. And a trailer pulled up, and several people had bought several of these. I don't know, where, I don't know what kind of house they putting them in. That's a big old tree if they put it in the house. They, but they, people put them on a stand, put them on this trailer, and took them off. But so many times we think that that's what Christmas is about. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating those things. But we have to make, we have to make sure that everybody knows it's really about the baby in the manger. The reason for the season and the Christ that is in Christmas. And the problem with that is that we have a world that is asking the same question as this little boy asked. Asking who is the baby? Who's the baby? Because he doesn't fit into my understanding of what Christmas is, but the truth is the baby is everything that Christmas is. There is no Christmas without Christ. We have so commercialized Christmas that we really have forgotten what Christmas is about. We do outreaches, and that's great. We give money to charities, that's great. We do Christmas floats. That's great. None of of those things are wrong as long as you remember the reason. 
the reason for the season, Jesus. We cannot forget the reason is Jesus. Point number one, if you're taking notes, oh, I don't think I put it on. Did I put it on you, you version? All right, I will whip myself later. I just didn't even think about it. Point one, who's the baby? Who's the baby? I want to answer the little boy's question today. Who's the baby? Now, although we're talking about the baby in a manger, I don't want you to forget that he was found in the manger, but but he didn't stay in the manger. See, most people, when they think about Jesus, that's all they think about. Oh, little eight-pound, two-ounce baby Jesus wrapped up in a little diaper. Oh, golden diaper. That ain't what Jesus is about, man. Through his father, Jesus has been from the beginning of time to the end of time. He is not just in a manger. He didn't stay a baby. You find, Gen- you find Jesus in Genesis all the way to Revelation. In Genesis, Jesus is the realm in Abraham's or for Abraham's altar. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the pillar by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the city of refuge. In Joshua, he's Rahab's scarlet thread. In Judges, he's the judge and he's the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kingsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In the Kings and Chronicles, he is the reigning king. In Ezra, he is the word. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken. In Esther, he is the Mordecai being an advocate for his people. In Job, he is our living redeemer. In Psalms, he's a shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. In Proverbs, he is wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he He's our hope and our resurrection. In the song of Solomon, he's the rose of Sharon and the living bridegroom for you and I. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentation, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the breath of that we breathe. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband who loves me when I'm unlovable. In Joel, he's the one that baptized baptizes with the Holy Ghost. In Amos, He is my burden bearer. In Obadiah, He is mighty to save. In Jonah, He's my second chance. Come on, somebody. In Micah, He's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, He is my strong tower. In Habakkuk, He is the watchman that is ever praying for revival. In Zephaniah, He is the branch of David, the one pierced to save. In Haggai, He is the restorer of our lost heritage and in Zechariah he is our fountain and in Malachi he is the son of righteousness and with healing in his wings he is the name above all names 
In Matthew, he is Christ, the Son of the living God. In Mark, he is the miracle worker. In Luke, he's the baby in the manger, but he becomes the Son of Man. In John, he's the door, the only way to heaven. In Acts, he's the fire baptizer. In Romans, he's the justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is our comfort. In Galatians, he redeems us from the law. In Ephesians, he is head of the church. In Philippians, he supplies all our every need. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. And in Philippians, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of everlasting covenant. In James, he's the Lord that heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's the chief shepherd, the chief cornerstone. In First, Second, and third John. Jesus is our heavenly fellowship of love. In Jude, he is the fountain of our faith, our security. And in Revelation, he's John's pearly white city. He's also the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the first. He is the last. He's the beginning. He is the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was and he always is and he will always be. He is unmoved, unchangeable, undefeated, but never undone. Let me just give you a little bit more. He was bruised and brought for our healing. He was pierced and to ease our pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He has risen and brings power. He reigns in your life. And when he reigns in your life, he brings you peace. He's the world. Can't, the world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. And the leaders just can't ignore him. We're talking about whose baby? We're talking about who's the baby. Well, let me tell you who the baby was. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. The grave couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. Other religions can't compare to him. The world can't explain him away. He is light. He is love. He is longevity. He is Lord. He is goodness. He is kind. He is gentleness. And He is God. He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is pure. He was, he, 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 His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging. His mind is on us. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. He's my God. He's my peace. He's my joy. He's my comfort. He's my Lord and he rules my life who's the baby it's Jesus you see at Christmas we come to realize that the thing about life is so much like a Christmas gift when you get a Christmas gift You never know what it is, usually, until you open it. You don't know what you're getting until you open it. Well, I wish I had somebody else's life. No, no. I I, I like what the gambler said. 
The gambler said, life isn't given, it, it, it's not the, what hand you've been dealt, but it's how you play the hand that you've been dealt. Come on, somebody. See, when you get a Christmas gift, you never know what you're getting until it's unwrapped. And it can be a beautiful wrapping paper, but nothing but an empty box. But you got to open it in order to see what's inside. There are times you know exactly what you're getting. There was a time that my wife got very aggravated at me because every time I would pick up a gift and I would fill it or shake it, I could tell her what it was. Needless to say, I had to quit doing that. Why? Because she quit buying me gifts. No, not kidding, but she did threaten. I see kids sometimes that they are raised in an environment that if they are ever to become anything in life other than an alcoholic, drug addict, thief, product of government support, it would be through the working of God in their life. Because the gift of life that they have unwrapped were parents who were bound to drugs, alcohol, or poverty mentality. Hey, let me, let me just talk a little bit. This, this just cranked my tractor this year. A couple of the families that, you know, we do this sharing Christmas. And, and a couple of the families that we, that they were in our share Christmas program last year, when we, have, when we approach them this year, they go, oh, no, we don't need help this year. Matter of fact, we want to buy somebody else's gifts too this year. That's called progress. That's called the gospel story. That's called getting your life together. And I promise, hey, my God, that if you will use the precepts and concepts of God's Word, your life will progressively get better. So in answering who's the baby, this is the first thing I want to tell you about the baby. Well, it's really about the, I don't know, 80th thing. But Jesus, no matter what gift you have been given in life, no matter what life has dealt you, no matter what has caused your, you or yourself to be in the situation that you are, the Bible says that calling Jesus, because no matter what gift life has presented you, He is your ever-present help in time of trouble. <laughs> Woo! I'm lo- I-, I love the fact that when I can't call on you. You know, somebody asked me, Pastor, who do you call when you're in trouble? Most of us call you who you call. Well, I-, I got some people over me in the Lord that I call, some of my mentors. But when I can't get a hold of nobody, I get a hold of Jesus. Matter of fact, I start, there's somebody hear me. I start getting a hold of Jesus. Here's what the Bible said in Acts 4 and 12. And there is salvation in no one, for there are no one else, for there is no name under heaven given among men where which by men might be saved. John 4 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 14 and 13 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. Luke 10, 17, and the 72 returned with joy. Or the 72, yeah, the 72. 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's this baby? His name is Jesus. Who's the baby? He's your kingsman redeemer. Who's the baby? He is your bright and your morning star. Point number two. 
is there is power in the name of Jesus. And Satan knows it. Ah, there is power in the name of Jesus. And the devil knows it. If I were Satan, and I know some of you thought I have been at certain times. I've been called the devil a few times in my life. When I tell people what they don't want to hear. Or when I confront religiosity. But if I were Satan, I would also attack the name of Jesus. And I would try to get it out of every school. I would try to get it out of every prayer. I'd try to get it out of every church. And I would even dare take the name of Jesus out of every holiday that was meant to celebrate his birth. Yeah, they're trying. And this is exactly what I see. Now, now and, and I want to I reiterate, because I remember when, when Pastor Justin was making the announcement, he talked about Christ's birthday offering. And I'm going to tell you how that came about. I was going around getting Christmas gifts for my family, and the Lord said, what are you going to give me? I said, well, Lord, I give you my life. He said, no, for my birthday. I said, ooh. I said, well, we'll just take up an offering. He goes, that's, that's going to be for the church, not for me. I said, then we'll just give it all to, to missions, and we'll call it a Christ's birthday offering. And so that's what we do. That's why we do that, because we buy gifts for everybody but the birthday boy. Now, let me just help some of you religious people. Well, you know, Christmas, December 24th, ain't Christ's really birthday. I'm aware of that. But that's when we celebrate it. My birthday was on a Saturday, but we celebrated it on a Friday. And I'm highly offended. What would be more offensive if they didn't celebrate it at all? So, all right, let me move on. So, here's what I see today. They're trying to take Jesus out. Because do you know that you can pray in every name, but they don't want you to pray in the name of Jesus? There's got to be something. Oh, there's something about that name Jesus 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 oh there's just something about that name what is it Master Savior Jesus let all heaven and earth that's not it Proclaim, King. I can't get the high. Kings and kingdom shall all pass away. Something about that name. There's something about it, huh? So you can believe in any name but Jesus, but then they'll start talking. You can believe in Jesus as long as you believe there are other ways. Who's the baby? The baby said, I'm making the only way that there is to heaven. Unless you come through him, you're a thief. Let me move on. You can follow any good, or you can follow any God but Jesus. Because he has been given a name that when I pray in the name of Jesus, because of that name, every demon in hell has to bow down at the name of Jesus. So you can't fight when you're bowed. Let me try. Let me let me try this like this. To understand who's the baby, you have to understand why the baby. It's already 9:30. Why the baby? Well, 
Adam lost what God had intended for mankind for you and me. Adam had it made, and he messed it up. If Jesus will let me, I'm going to punch him in the pipe. But God wasn't going to allow Lucifer, devil, to get away with this because the Bible said in Exodus 22, if a thief be found, he's got to restore it double. So God said, i got to find a way. Now hear me. I need to find a way legally that will not fracture my word or fracture my being. <laughs> I have to find a way to go to fallen man. So God says, I will send my son. The only begotten son, and he will be born of a virgin, and he will be as much man as he is God. And in God, and, and of course, he, uh, uh, he is called in John 3, 16, the son of man. In Matthew 18, 11, he's called the son of man. You will often hear him called the son of David. This is because he was born from the lineage of David, from his fleshly bloodline. But as much as he was flesh, he was also God in the flesh. That's why the angels was emphatic to Mary that you must call his name Jesus, which means Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus answered the question about why he came in Luke 4.18. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of God. So in this verse, we understand he came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captive free, and he came to heal. If you look at this verse, I believe that is why Jesus, the why is found there. Point number three, Jesus came to erase the misconceptions about God. Do you know, growing up, I grew up in church. But growing up in church, can I tell you that I thought God was mad at me? I thought that God was just looking for any reason to stomp me out, to take me out. That's what I, was, that's what I felt. I, I'm not saying my dad taught that, but that's what I felt. Some believe he is the God that hates us. And is waiting to take us out. And God who takes pleasure in our pain. But Exodus 15, 26 says, He's the Lord that healeth thee. 1 Corinthians says, He even cares so much that He knows how much you can handle. And won't even allow you to be attempted above what you can handle. Oh, you didn't hear that part. Some of you go, well, I was tempted to where I, where I, where I couldn't handle it and I gave in. No, no. Jesus knows how much you can take. So when you failed, the devil is a liar. You believed what the devil, no, I can take it. If, if, if the devil can bring it, I can take it because God knows how much I can take. How many here in the house with that understanding believes that God believes in you more than you believe in you? I'm like, God, you must have a lot of faith in me. You must have a lot of faith in me. He has already fixed your life so that you can win. He is a good God, and I believe this is one of the reasons why Jesus came to us as Emmanuel, Jesus, our living example of who God is. John 1, 4 through 18, Jesus was God in the flesh that came for you and me. He saw the need as mankind fell through Adam and came to reconcile us back to himself. Jesus, you got to hear this. Jesus is how God loves, how he feels. And how he thinks. Jesus believed in people 
who didn't even believe in themselves. Jesus loved me when I'm unlovable. Oh, help me somebody. The misconception is God is unmerciful and can't be pleased, but he sent Jesus to eradicate, to erase that misconception. Because here's the deal, my next slide. Jesus is an expression of the love of God. He's the expression of the love of God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We say, all right, now listen. I don't want any, I don't want any emails about this. We say Jesus is the reason for the season, but the truth is kind of you and me are the reason for the season. He came for us. If it wasn't for us, he wouldn't have had to come. If it wasn't for our sin, he wouldn't have came. And there wouldn't be a reason. So, you know, keep going. Jesus is the reason for the season. Keep that going. But I'm just trying to let you know that he really came because of you. He is the greatest Christmas gift that was ever given. Because by him, I have life. By him, I have peace. By him, I am redeemed. By him, I'm a better person. By him, I'm a better father. By him, I'm a better husband. Because of him, he is my gift. And if you add him to anything, he makes it better. Come on, somebody. Now, let me unpack that for you for a little bit. If it had not been for the fall of man and our need of a Savior, our need of being restored, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. Do you understand that he came for you? He came for me. You need him. Did you hear me? You need him. Pastor, what more do you want? I'm in church. No, no. You need him. Just because you're in church don't mean you have him. Amen. Just because you're in the garage don't make you a car. Matter of fact, if you're in my garage, you anything but a car. If you're in my garage, you might be Christmas decorations, flowers. You might be a refrigerator. You might be a freezer. You might be some trash. So just being in the house doesn't make you a Christian. Just being in the house doesn't mean that you've got him. Because I promise you right now there's some Christmas decorations up in this house. I can tell you there's some trash up in this house. Are you listening to me? There's some other things up in this house. But bless God, I know him. I know him and he is mine. I am his and he is mine. And he is creating in me something that is greater than me. Woo! You need him. You have no idea what you're missing out on him. He didn't send an angel or an assistant. He came to himself. You are the reason for this season. He came so that you can I can know love. All right. William? Where you at? Come help me. How about the woman at the well in John chapter 4? The one that nobody wanted. Let me talk to you today. Because sometimes people in, at Christmas think nobody wants you. And you know what? Let's just, you ready for some reality? Yeah, you've messed over people. Can I just be, can I be real? You've screwed over people? Everywhere you, everywhere you went, they thought it was Hurricane El Nino. Everywhere you went, they, here comes Sister Twister. 
Amen. Here comes Brother Storm. Right? Everywhere you've been, you've done wrecked everything. But can I tell you, when everybody else has wrote you off. I'm going to tell you straight up. There's some people, if they came to my house, I wouldn't let them in my door. Why? Because that's my personal house. I don't need your Jerry Springer episode in my house. That's my solitude. Pastor, I can't believe. Well, go to a church that a pastor will lie to you then. There's some people I don't want in my house. Mm-mm. All that stuff you got up in you, mm-mm. If you're going to come into my house, we're going to have some deliverance out, in the li- out on the lawn first. I'll talk to you out in the parking lot. I'll talk to you in my driveway. Mm-hmm. But if you come into my house, I'm about to pray you under a pew, pray you under a, 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 a chair or something. But Jesus... He still wants you. You know what? You know what just messes with me sometimes? Now, I know I shouldn't say this because I'm a pastor. But let, all right, let, let me say this. That way you won't write me no email. I love everybody. I want every, I, even my enemies, I want to go to heaven. But there's some people I can't stand. Ain't nobody here. They'll be in the 11 o'clock service. There's some people I just can't stand. I don't want to spend no time with them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to eat with them. But that's not God. And just because you can't stand them doesn't mean that God. There ain't nobody that's unredeemable. How many know folks, don't point at them. How many know folks that you couldn't stand but then you got to know them? You thought, well, that ain't that bad. They just a little weird. You know what I'm talking about, Rick Stead. I'm just kidding. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus knows you already. See, the woman at the well, nobody wanted her. She was at the well at that time because she just couldn't be with anybody else. She was tired of everybody belittling her, talking about her. But Jesus came when she was there. Matter of fact, if you read the story, he said, I I like the way the King James Version says it. He says, I must needs go through Samaria. Let let me just just put it in some Florida English. I gots to go through Samaria. I got to go there. And he goes there and he gives her four things. I'm not going to preach on them. He gives her forgiveness. Or he gives her three things. He gives her past, uh, forgiveness for past. How many could use some forgiveness for your past? Now, now listen to me, Christians that are so religious. Well, I gave my heart to the Lord 30 years ago and I ain't had to repent since. Oh, today's a good day to be repenting. Because you ain't that good. He gave her a purpose for living. And he gave her a home in heaven. You know, there's some, there's some people in my old neighborhood. I got good neighbors to God be the glory. But my old neighborhood, mm, 
And there's a neighbor right to the right side that moved in. Lord Jesus, I tried to pray him out. I tried witnessing to him. That didn't work. So I tried threatening him. I didn't. I wanted to. I thought what they need is just a good beating. That's what they need. Jesus, I thought, Lord, you just need to let me be table turning Jesus. You go over there, turn some tables over, beat some tail. And... But those same people, Jesus knows what they need. And they might be your neighbor in heaven. The people you couldn't stand. But let me tell you, man, when you get to heaven, there's going to be some surprises. Number one, you're going to be surprised you're there. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Listen, on this side, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to heaven. But when I get there, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I believe this book, I, I believe without a doubt I'm going to heaven. But once my feet hit the golden streets of glory, I'm going to have to do a little shout. Yes, hallelujah, I made it. And then there are going to be some prizes, some surprises of people you didn't think was going to make it. Well, wonderful to see you here, Judy. You know, I'm kidding. I know you're going to make it. But you know what I'm saying? Judy, it's just wonderful to see you. Where's John? Come on, somebody. But here comes the third. The third surprise is you're going to go, where's so-and-so? Surely I thought they were going to make it. Surely. Now, I didn't say surely. I said surely. Surely they're going to make it. There are going to be some surprises. Ephesians 3.17 So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. It's basically saying how long is the love of God what the measurements of God's love. We, we have found that human love doesn't always last forever. And especially if you're on Facebook. The love of my life. Oh, your life must have ended. Your life wasn't but three weeks long. Right? Oh, you're my world. They had nine worlds in the last six months. They're making a solar system. Human love doesn't last. But God's love, there's no place that you can't go that He can't love you. He'll love you from the courthouse. He'll love you from the crack house. He'll love you from wherever you may be. You may say, I'm lower than God. No, God's love even knows how to get lower than that. 
He's much more than the baby in the manger. He's so much more than the baby in the manger. I got to quit. Y'all like, yes, amen, you do. Who's the baby? He is Jesus, Emmanuel. God with us, and I'm telling you, you need him today. It doesn't matter where you are or where you've been. He loves you. Would you bow your heads with me? And may I ask you today, if you don't know Him as Savior, would you like to invite Him into your heart? I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you're in this place today and you don't know Him, Would you slip up your hand? You can put it right back down. Say, Pastor, I need him in my life, and I need to ask him to come in. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Maybe you know him, but you're not where you need to be. Say, Pastor, I need to make it right with God. Would you slip up your hand? You can put it right down. I see those hands. I see those. I see those. I see those. Would you stand with me today? It's 9.50. Our, our, yeah, it's 9.50. I was going to say our family focus hours began, but we put that on hiatus right now. But for those who raised your hand and, and everybody in this building, would you pray this prayer along these lines? Father, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I don't understand how you can love me, but I'm going to receive it. Because I need it. Make me a better version of who you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, come on, give God praise. Now, wait a minute. Press. <clears throat> Pastor, it can't be that easy. It is. If you believe it in your heart, now you just need to start developing that relationship And there's a lady in the back, center aisle, right in front of the camera, that as you're leaving, you can do it inconspicuously, but as you're leaving, she has a pamphlet for you if you're starting your journey with Jesus and you'd like to know a little bit more about it and how to how to further your faith, then we want to we got something for you. Thankful for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Go in the peace of God. You're dismissed. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.